Turn with Solomon tonight, the Song of Solomon, chapter number five. I've been made to rejoice tonight. I tell you, this singing's good, good, good. If you can't rejoice in that, then something's wrong. You need to either get right with God, get saved, or get back in fellowship with the Lord. Good old time singing that glorifies the Lord, magnifies Him. I appreciate the songs, how they magnified the Lord, made much of the Lord Jesus and the blood that he shed there at Calvary's cross. I was reading one day behind a writer who was emphasizing about a, a Negro, and I say that respectfully, a Negro man by the name of John Jasper. John Jasper was a slave and had been sold in and out of slavery. And finally he gained his freedom, later became a preacher. And they asked him, they said, John Jasper, they said, what if one of the angels stop you? We'll not let you into heaven. They said, what are you going to plead? He said, my plea shall be one thing, the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's all we've got to plead tonight is the blood of Jesus Christ. Song of Solomon tonight, Song of Solomon chapter number five. You do pray for us as we look at this passage of scripture tonight. And notice in verse number nine with me, the Bible said, what is thy beloved more than another beloved, O thou fairest among women? What is thy beloved more than another beloved that thou dost so charge us? Here she begins to answer now. She answers and said, My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among ten thousand. His head is as the most fine gold. His locks are bushy and black as a raven. His eyes are as the eyes of doves by the rivers of waters, washed with milk and fitly set. His cheeks are as a bed of spices. As sweet flowers, his lips like lilies, dropping sweet-smelling myrrh. His hands are as gold rings set with beryl. His belly as bright ivory overlaid with sapphires. His legs are as pillars of marbles set upon sockets of fine gold. His countenance is as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet, yea, he is altogether lovely." This is my beloved and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Tonight, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I'd like to preach from verse number 16. When she made this statement, as she closes this out, she said, Yea, she said, He is altogether lovely. Now, we, there's many ways and several ways you can look at the book of the Song of Solomon. I prefer to look at it as a picture of the picture of the bride being a picture of the church, the bridegroom being a type of Christ. Many look at it as that being a type of God's love for Israel in that day. But I wanted to want us to look at it in that light, as she being a type of the church, and he is being a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's been said that in the Pentateuch, we see the first glimpses of Christ. In the historical books, we have the fourth shadowings of Christ. In the Psalms, we have the feelings of Christ. In the prophets, we have the foretellings of Christ. In the Gospels, we have the facts of Christ. In the epistles, we have the fullness of Christ. And in the Revelation, we have the finality of Christ. But in the Song of Solomon, we see the face of Christ. We come, as it were, all to Him who is altogether lovely. And I thought about what the Lord Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 42, as they were talking there, and he said, Yea, he said, Behold, a greater than Solomon is here. 
And he was speaking of himself. He said, Yea, behold, a greater than the temple. Yea, behold, a greater than Jonah. And then he said, Yea, behold, he said, Yea, behold, a greater than Solomon. When we look here tonight in the Song of Solomon, chapter number 5, you mark it down. Behold, a greater than Solomon is to be seen in this passage of Scripture. Now, as we look at this, we see her as she's been interrogated and she's been questioned by the daughters of Jerusalem. And they're wanting to know, what is thy beloved more than another beloved? And she begins to describe unto those daughters of Jerusalem her lover, who is the type of the Lord Jesus to those of us that are saved. Now, notice with me the word yea. If you'll notice in chapter number 5, verse 16, she said, yea, yea. And this yea here is the mighty affirmation. The mighty affirmation, the word yea implies more than this. Or indeed, or truly, yet she's talking about an affirmation, the evidence and the proof and the confirmation that the mighty affirmation that she's saying, yea, yea. And this speaks of an overpowering emotion. The interrogators have asked her, what is thy beloved more than any other beloved? O thou fairest among women, what is thy beloved more than another beloved that thou dost so charge us? And she begins the conversation, as it were, in a normal voice. And she begins to describe him. And it's then as though her heart burst forth in holy passion. And she shouts, his mouth is most sweet. Yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Could you not say tonight, church, you that are redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus? Yea, more than this. Yea, more than this. It speaks of an overpowering emotion. This yea speaks of an overwhelming affection. This is the voice of love. She's in love with this man that she addresses as her beloved. To the eyes that can see the beloved, that he is altogether lovely. Now, those that are not saved, they don't understand what we're talking about. They stand on the outside and they cannot see what's on the inside. But once you're saved by the grace of God and you're hid with Christ in God, then you begin to see things like never, never before. I thought about this, uh, when you begin to look at love, eternal love, divine love, uh, heavenly love, celestial love, uh, and Calvary's love, uh, then what are the other loves of this world, friend, uh, compared to Jesus, uh, the lover of our souls? Uh, I say this, yea, speaks of an overpowering affection. And that's what we need in this hour, uh, to fall afresh and anew in love uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and then we go a little further and she says, yea, and this yea speaks of an overcoming devotion. You mean, what are you saying, Brother Buster? Uh, well, she loves him and she's devoted to him. And one forgiven of much loveth much. You know why you see some of these men around here and some of the ladies shouting and weeping and blessing God? They're walking down memory's lane. They remember where the Lord found them and the depths of depravity and the depths of sin 
that they were in. He that loveth much has been forgiven many times of much. Devotion, yea, speaks of an overcoming devotion. This devotion will put us on our knees. This devotion will strengthen our hearts for the souls of men. This devotion will help us to lift the heavy burdens of others. It will put courage in the souls. It will help us to cause us to be faithful to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. She's been interrogated. What is thy beloved more than another beloved? And she answers with a mighty affirmation that, Yea, yea, he is altogether lovely. Then notice the precious revelation. She said, Yea, he. And I'm telling you, she begins to magnify. She begins to enlarge upon him. She focuses upon the beloved, a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch her here as she begins to dwell on several aspects and the attributes of her beloved's character. She talks about his person in verse 10. She said, my beloved is white and ruddy. White and ruddy. Now how can this be made in the comparison to the Lord Jesus? I believe the white here, they say the word means dazzling and brilliant in the sense of being white. This speaks of our Lord's sinless separation. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 26 said that for such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. I say, yes, he's white. He is sinless. He is spotless. He is flawless. He is the thoughtless Son of God Almighty. He knew no sin. He did no sin. And in him there was no sin. A few years ago, there was a lot of questions about could Christ have sinned if He had have wanted to sin? I say the answer to that is an absolute no. No. He did not have the Adamic nature within Him. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And thank God, He is. The Lord Jesus is white. And not only that, she said He's ruddy. The word ruddy here carries the idea of ruddy, rosy red. And this has reference to his sacrifice. His sinlessness because caused him to become the ability to be the sacrifice, the one and only sacrifice for the sins of all mankind. His person. And then she talked about his character. Now look at this in verse 10. She said, she's been interrogated now, and they're wanting an answer. What is thy beloved more than another beloved? She said, he's the chiefest among ten thousand. I believe she's saying, you won't have any problem finding him, ladies. He's the chiefest of ten thousand. Now, note this word chief, the chiefest. It means to carry a standard, or it means distinguished. It has the idea of a flag going up beside the individual that you're talking about. He's highly conspicuous. You'll have no problem in seeing him. Do you see that? He's the chiefest among ten thousand.
thousand. He's the vital one, the key one, the foremost one, the head, the leading one, the premier one, the absolute one, the dominant one, the principal one, the ranking one, the supreme one. He's the unsurpassed one. There's no one like unto Him. And He's the chiefest among ten thousand. Now notice, He's the chiefest, I believe, among ten thousand. I don't care what kind of ten thousand you bring out. He's the chiefest among any ten thousand that you can find. You say, what are you saying, Brother Buster? Go out on a black starry night and look up into the star-studded heaven and look at 10,000 stars in all of their glory. But you know what? You know what? He is the chiefest among 10,000. He's the bright and the morning star. Go out and look at 10,000 roses. Let's bring tonight, have someone to pile in here, 10,000 roses. Can you imagine the aroma and the smell? I say He's the chiefest. By side Him, they would be a standard that would go up. That said He's far greater than 10,000 roses. Why, He's the rose of Sharon, friend. And then I thought about, look at 10,000 sons. If you could behold them, 10,000 sons in all their glory, in all of their brilliancy. You know what? There'd be a flag go up beside the Son of God that said He's unsurpassed. These 10,000 don't even become to become Him. He's the Son of Righteousness. Look at 10,000 lilies and with their heads held high, but you'll find there'll be a flag go up beside Him that said He's the lily of the valley. I mean, look at 10,000 princes and kings in their pomp and their glory and their array. But there would be a flag that would go up beside Him that would say He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm just trying to brag on our beloved a little tonight. I see here in His character, in His person. And then she talks about His head. In verse number 11, she said His head is as the most fine gold. You know what gold speaks of? It speaks of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're living in an hour when there's not much made about the deity of the Son of God. It is not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. But it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Co-equal, co-eternal, co-powerful friend. And she said his head is as most fine gold. I'm glad he is deity tonight. I thought about Philippians, and this is a commentary upon this passage of Scripture. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. When Paul said, Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the 
death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I see His deity, uh, who being in the form of God, uh, I see His co-equality, uh, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Uh, I see His humanity, uh, but made Himself of no reputation, uh, took upon Himself the form of a servant. Uh, then I see His humility, uh, and being found in fashion as a man, uh, He humbled Himself, and then His agony, uh, and being obedient unto death, uh, even the death of the cross, uh, and then His majesty, uh, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, and given him a name that's above every name. And then I see his sovereignty, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. I say right here his head. She said, girls, his head is as most fine gold. I say our Lord is absolute deity tonight. Amen. She talks about his hair in verse number 11. She said, girls, I want you to know his locks are bushy and black as a raven. You see, to me, that kind of speaks of him being the ancient of days. And in him is no decay. Here it is, his eternal youthfulness. He's never grown old. <laughs> He's never aged. He's not the old man upstairs in a rocking chair with long white hair as this world depicts him. No, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He and he alone can say, I am that I am hath sent you, Moses. Amen. Here his hair is black. Then she talks about his eyes. In verse 12, she said his eyes are as the eyes of a dove. Uh, as the eyes of doves by the rivers of waters, washed with milk and fitly set. You say, now how does this speak of Christ, Brother Buster? Well, to me, I see here the love of Christ and the compassion of Christ. Have you ever looked at a dove? Have you ever seen a little dove out there in a field or in the backyard or maybe there on the side of, of a tree hanging, sitting there? And you look at that a little dove in those eyes, to me, is such innocent. Such innocency and such compassion. And you know what a dove does? It's one of the only birds that mates for life. It mates for life. If you find a little dove out yonder and it doesn't have a mate with it, mark it down. Its mate has died and it'll never, never marry again. I'm glad the Lord has pledged Himself to us. Amen. I'm glad that we're saved by the grace. He'll never divorce us. He'll never run out on us. He'll never, never leave us, friend. No. His eyes are the eyes of doves by the rivers of waters washed with milk and fitly set. And then she begins to talk about his face. She said, his cheeks, girls, his cheeks are as a bed of spices, as sweet flowers. You say, preacher, what is here? Well, his cheeks are as a bed of spices. The word spices and carries the eyes of those old mountain men up in East Tennessee and Virginia and up in the western part of Carolina. Get up there and get in them old-timey camp meetings and one of them would get to saying, I can smell him. 
He's a passing by. I can smell Him. Now, I don't know that I know all this they're talking about, but I'm a candidate to know more about it. Amen. I mean, she, they're saying here, right? His face, she said, it's like sweet odor around Him. And those sweet flowers, it's like piled up, like a tower. Used perfume is the idea. There's, listen, the Lord likes for things to smell right. Did you know the Lord, listen, He like, He made the honeysuckles, He made the roses and the lilies, He made all the flowers. He likes for it to smell right in the church. He likes it for it to smell right in you. You ever been around somebody that puts off a foul odor? And I'm talking about more than they didn't use. Uh, I mean their deodorant. Uh, but there's the foul odor of bitterness uh, and envy and malice and strife and jealousy. Uh, the Lord likes it when things smell right. When they smell right in the church. I promise you, He's... He's the one. Oh, He likes that sweet fragrance that was put upon that altar of incense. There was a sweet smelling savor that went up into the nostrils of God. And she said, girls, His lips, His lips in verse 13 are like the lilies, dropping sweet smelling myrrh. The lilies speak of the purity of His speech. To me, they speak of the sweet smelling myrrh. Speaks of the graciousness of His speech. You remember in John 7, 46, the officers that were sent to apprehend the Lord, to apprehend Him, come walking back. Their eyes, as it were, were looking far out yonder. And they said, why did you not bring Him? Where is He? And they answered, never a man spake like this man. I'm going to tell you something, friend, that if He ever speaks to your heart, if He ever calls you by name, I promise you, you'll know that voice too. If He ever speaks to you in grace and mercy and love and forgiveness and kindness, those were the lips that granted us the kiss of reconciliation and the words of salvation. I say, thank God! Thank God His lips are like lilies. You know what the chapter 1 verse 2 said? It said, let Him kiss me with the kisses of His, of his mouth, for His kisses are better than wine. You ever had the Holy Ghost to kiss you just right? You ever had the Holy Ghost? Now, don't you go off here and get on a think wrong, think vulgar, right? Have you ever been to a good old... Which was which what happened a while ago, friend? There was divine communication going on around here. And uh, there was uh, love being made uh, between the bridegroom and the bride, if you will, friend. Uh, and have you ever had Him to kiss you? Uh, have you ever had Him to just pull you up uh, and smother you with divine kisses of love? Uh, I promise you, you'll say like she did. Uh, His kisses are better than wine. Uh, there's nothing like the touch and the breath of God Almighty upon a service, friend. His lips. Then she said, His hands. His hands. Verse 14 are His gold rings set with beryl. The word they tell me here, beryl. Now, His hands are His gold rings. Speaks of the eternality of Christ. A gold ring. You can't see hardly a beginning or an ending in it. And Christ has no beginning. It has no ending. But this word beryl here. His hands are His gold rings set with beryl. They tell me that word beryl means a unique green stone which never receives a reflection from any other color or shade. 
It remains unaffected from any other color, absolutely. This speaks of Christ impeccable. It speaks of His impeccability. It speaks that there is no variableness. There is no changing in Him. He's always been the same and He always will be the same. His hands. Then notice His bosom in verse 14. She said His belly is His bright ivory overlaid with sapphires. The word belly implies the bowels of the place of the heart. And she said it's like bright ivory speaks of gleaming purity. And overlaid with sapphires, they're blue. And this speaks to me of the heavens. In other words, His love is as bright ivory. It's expansive and as universal and comprehensive as the heavens. His love is as bright ivory, universal, comprehensive as the heavens of heavens, friend. I'm glad His love reaches further further than sin has ever stained. His love reaches further than any tribe, nation, color, or... Hey, I'm telling you, it's to whosoever will. Whosoever will. And then his bosom, then she talks about his legs. His legs are as pillars of marble set upon sockets of gold. Pillars of marbles, that speaks of strength. Boy, she said, he's strong. My beloved's strong. I got news for you. Our beloved is strong too. I'm glad he was able to be that, oh, as it were, the scapegoat that took all of our sins in an uninhibited land and dealt with them there. And our sins are gone, friend. And he'll be strong enough to bear his church all the way to heaven one day. Yes, they're set on sockets of fine gold. His head is as gold, and his feet are set on sockets. His legs are fine. He's gold in the heavens, and he's gold on the earth. He was deity while he was in heaven. He was deity while he was upon earth. His countenance, in verse 15, is as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. She begins to give an overall observation of his whole stature. She said, now girls, his countenance, as you look upon him, is as Lebanon. Now, you'd have to know something about Lebanon to know what she was talking about. Lebanon is denoted as the White Mountain. Its summit was crowned with snow year round. To me, this speaks of Christ's countenance standing out in his radiant whiteness against the drab, dark background of sin. And it talks about the, the, the cedars of Lebanon. Lebanon and the cedars. The smell, I've heard it told about the smell of Lebanon. Those cedars were unrivaled in height and in foliage and in odor. There was none like them. And what she's saying is, you'll have no problems finding Him because He's the unrivaled One. None like Him. And then she got down to His mouth in verse number 16. She said His mouth. And the idea there is more than the lips, but it's the palate of the mouth inside. She said his mouth is most sweet. It's most sweet. You say, Brother Buster, how can you tie that to Christ? Well, the idea is the ability to taste. The ability to be able to taste. And old Brother Billy Kelly used to come to Dad's church there at Calvary where we were then, and Brother Billy come in and sat beside me, and I was a little old boy, and I wasn't even saved. I made a profession, but I wasn't saved. 
And Brother Billy gets a cry, and you know how he did his tears run this way. They never run this way. He is so fat, his old jaws, his tears had run down like this. And he'd take that big old tongue and laugh out at them tears. And he'd say, Son, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I wasn't even saved, and I'd look around, and I couldn't understand that language. And there's a shouting and a screaming and a hollering and rejoicing. And he'd say, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And one day I got saved. One day I got adopted into this family. I got birthed into the family of God. And every now and then I'll wall my eyes around and say, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I tell you, friend, His lips, His mouth, His mouth, she said, is most sweet. There's never been a sweeter mouth than the mouth of the Lord Jesus. From that mouth came those words of salvation. And then I close with this, the thrilling consolation. She said, my, she said, the, she said, my beloved. She said, yea, that's the mighty affirmation. Yea, she said, he, that's the precious revelation. Yea, he is all together. She said, the, she, he, she said, he is. That is the thrilling consolation. He is. Means not that he was, not that he's gonna be, but that He is. The idea is now. Now. You say, well, this was written way back there, Brother Buster, sometime in ninth Wisdom Preacher in 1014, way back under before the birth of Christ. But I got news for you. All He was yesterday, He is today, and He shall forever be. And He is the thrilling consolation to us tonight, church. What He was in Spurgeon's day. What He was in Tory's day and Finney's day. And Billy Sunday's day. He is today. And if the Lord doesn't come back for the church in the next 25 years or the next 50 years, I promise you this, He'll still be the altogether lovely one. I was talking to Brother Joe earlier as I was sitting over there and I sat there last night. I remember a few years ago when Dr. Seitler sat on that side of the building, held that cane in his hand, held it high, and they asked him to pray and took the mic down to him and he would pray. He's gone now. Brother Billy's gone now. I don't like to use the word died. They did not die. You say, what do you mean they did not die? Jesus told Martha, said, He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. You hear me? They're not dead, friend. No. When I got the news that they'd checked out, it was an address change notification. That just told me they'd moved on to heaven. They'd just moved on from this low land of sin and sorrow and shame and graduated to the other side. And I say He is. He is. And then the unlimited qualification. She's, uh, it's not that, that's really that she's at a lack, lack for words, but she just doesn't know anymore how to express it. She said he's all together. All together. That's the unlimited qualification. He is all together. All. Whole. In all matter. Completely. Totally. Inexhaustibly. Perfectly. Utterly. I mean, there's just no limit to him, she said. He is all together. And then she closes with this. She said, daughters of Jerusalem, she said, He is altogether lovely. Lovely. 
That's what she thought about him. That's what she thought about her beloved. I'm going to tell you something. If you're saved by the grace of God tonight, I believe that's what you think about the Lord. As they sing these songs that magnify Him and about His blood, and one day we'll see Him face to face in all of His glory. I mean, what they do, it's, an ex- it's, it's a magnification that He's altogether lovely. The affectionate explanation, she said He's lovely. She said there's just none like Him. She said, you can search high and low, but you'll never find one like it. I believe that there's a lot of people in this tabernacle tonight that's here because of that simple reason. One day, they met Him. Or rather, He met them. And they became acquainted with Him. And you're here tonight on this Wednesday night to worship Him, to adore Him, and to exclaim with the Shulamite girl, Yea, He is altogether loved. The word lovely implies alluring and attractive and breathtaking and beautiful and comely and magnificent. You say, Brother Buster, wonder what he's going to look like. There's been a lot of times I've sat in motel rooms and sat down, take my Bible. I have never seen Christ personally. I have, and I don't believe the pictures that we have in a lot of our Baptist churches. That's not a picture of the Lord Jesus. That's the description of some artist mind who portrays that. And you mark this down for sure. He was not a long-haired, effeminate-looking, sissy man. Mark that down. I have looked through the pages of this Bible, and here and there I'd get just a glimpse. I'd, be, I'd see him peeping at me, as it were, through the lattice. Did you know that's what happened in chapter number 2? In chapter number 2, she said in verse 8, The voice of my beloved. She said, I know that's him. Behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. Why, my beloved, is like a roe and like a young heart. He Behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the window, showing himself through the lattice. You see, when you're looking at lattice, lattice is woven work. And all you can do is just get a partial glimpse, a partial glimpse of a hand or of an arm. I tell you, through this lattice, I've caught partial glimpses of Him. But one day, face to face, in all of His glory, and it'll take a glorified body to be able to just stand to see Him. All of His glory. And guess what? I believe we'll exclaim with her, He's all together Sure, I know we have a lot of questions. I know that we ha- I have a missionary friend of mine. He's been on the mission field 33 years. He walks on 18 pounds of steel crutches. He's been to Africa. He's been to, to Africa and, and to Australia and these countries for years. He said, Brother Buster, he said, I have in my briefcase over 500 questions I'd like to ask the Lord Jesus. He said, I'd ha- I've got over 500 of them. He said, I know that may not sound right to you, but I've lived long enough to know what it feels like to want to ask the question. He said, I'll probably never ask one. He said, because when I see Him, I believe the former things will be moved out of sight and out of place. You say, I want to, I want to sit down with him. I want him to tell me why he took my daughter. I want, to, I want him to tell me why he let my son be stricken with this disease and why this happened and why that happened. And, and I'm telling you down here, we're looking from the bottom side upward. There's little things, as it were, we can't understand hanging down. I heard that, I heard that illustration years ago of a mother 
A grandmother babysitting her, her daughter's child. And she had that little grandchild laid on the floor and gave it a piece of paper and some crayons. And it was coloring. Mamma was working with some kind of quilting apparatus. I don't know much about all that. But she was doing some needlework or whatever it was. And that little girl looked up. Or that little grandchild said, Mamma, oh, it's getting worse. Looks worse. And she said, honey, just keep on playing down there. About 40 minutes later, she looked up and said, Ma'am, oh, it's worse. She said, don't make any sense. I mean, just threads here and things here and you've cut here and just doesn't make a bit of sense. She stuck her needle in that quilting thing and pulled her granddaughter up in her lap and turned her back around and said, now look down. And when she looked down, she saw the most beautiful picture and pattern. She said, Ma'am, oh, you mean that's what all that underneath there was all about? And Mamaw said, she said, why couldn't I see that, Mamaw? She said, you was looking from the wrong side. Tonight, we're looking from the wrong side, as it were. We don't understand. We don't understand. But when we get on the other side, friend, hey, I believe we'll say, yay, yay, He is altogether loved.